How dare you stand where he stood? Tell them how it happened that night. Tell them how you looked him in the eye. A man who trusted you and killed him. Tell them. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. And your hosts have asked that I inform you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast that looks at films in a franchise one movie at a time. We're taking a look at uh, wrapping up the Harry Potter saga this week with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, a film released in 2011, directed by David Yates. He directed the Harry Potter films from uh, number five, and that's Order of the Phoenix onward. Yeah, this movie is the highest grossing out of all the Harry Potter films. I met with me as Thrasher. Hello, and I find that to be fascinating. Yeah, um, I think number two might be the, the first film, maybe, but... Uh, it's just one of those, you know. You see that with things like, well, just it seems the like Return it, of the going, King made the most of the Lord of the Rings films. I guess, I guess people like to see the damn. They, well, I say damn, but they like to see they like to see the thing end. They like they like to buy into that closure. Right. I do want to point out the theme song of the sequel cast is written and performed by Mark with a C. Check out his website at markwithac.com. And the sequel cast is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension podcast fleet check out more great film and tv podcast at battleshippretension.com so the first time you saw this thrasher was for this podcast right yes uh, earlier today and for me i saw it when it came out on um on blu-ray in 2011 for some reason i just did not get around to the theater to uh to see it um so we just rented it and uh and enjoyed it i think so I think we ended up watching like part one and part two back to back because it's been a while since we've seen part one. And if that that's like four hours, that's like over hours of film right there. Yeah, that's an, that's an entire day, um, <laughs> yeah. entire afternoon and a little bit of the evening at that. Right. Uh, I mean, with this film, I didn't like the last one, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows part one, because there wasn't that much action. It seemed to be puttering around a lot. And this one a lot more actually happened. And it just it just makes me think it should have just been one film. Yeah, it really, there's so much padding in the last film, and then so much of this film feels like it's playing catch-up to cover ground that Deathly Hollows Part 1 didn't cover. They, I think they could have done a, a perfectly good single Deathly Hollows film. Right. I mean, you could, they could have done something like cut the, the horcruxes they had to find from 7 down to 3, or... Certainly there's some compression... That's uh, that would have been welcome, in, in my opinion. And I have not read very much of the book. Although that, that being said, I did find this to be a satisfying final chapter. All right. Well, you took some notes this time around again. So, I mean, what's something that leapt out from you from watching the film? Well, well, first the 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 first the first note I have is actually in the beginning when they're in that beach house with the the gnome from Gringotts. What what is his name? Is like Hookfeld? Uh, Grip Hook. Grip Hook. Grip Hook. Uh, and I just have this because there's all this back and forth with Grip Grip Hulk and all this dealing, and I just I just wrote down this is like a Senate meeting from Star Wars. 
Hmm. It's just it's it's like all these empty words that are supposed to have some sort of gravitas to them. Why can't they just cut to the deal? <laughs> I'm not intrigued by this back and forth the characters are having. Can't just they, can't they just um, cut to them? You know, with uh, Hermione disguising herself with the the potion as Bellatrix. Like Did they this- use a potion? Oh, I guess it wasn't a potion. No, because they because that's that's my actually my second note. What's with the comedy disguises? It's it's like B- B- Hermione puts on a fright wig. Suddenly she's Bellatrix. Ron puts on a very unconvincing fake beard, and he's that other guy. You know, I thought it was for some reason. Out of we've seen these films so close to each other now for the past several months that I just was getting confused because it seems like in every other movie they use the Polyjuice Potion. Well, that really bothered me because like they, the Polyjuice Potion has been set up so thoroughly in the previous films that the one time it is absolutely critical for our heroes to be in disguise, they don't use Polyjuice. They just put on unconvincing disguises that somehow fools everyone. Is there something in Harry Potter about gnomes having terrible eyesight? I, I have no idea. I'm not... You know, Jason would have been the expert, but he wasn't able to join us this episode. And also, it seems like Gringotts must be the easiest bank in the world to get into, because not only does nobody see through terrible disguises, but they, they don't even really stick to their own security procedures and let people throw mind control magic around willy-nilly uh, within their facility. One thing I think that's interesting about that character of a grip hook is in the very first movie, Sorcerer's Stone, or Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you're from, um, the character of Griphook was played by Vern Troyer. Cause he Here it's the... Warwick Davis, I believe. Yeah, it is. It is Warwick Davis. who He's played several parts throughout the series. So I'm not sure whether it was they couldn't get Vern Troyer back to do it or not. I mean, it certainly well, it looks very similar, but you can tell, on the other hand, that it's Warwick Davis. What was Vern Troyer doing at the time? I don't know. I'd it... like to know that story. This is years after the last uh, Austin Powers film. And then, of course, this is also... Like that reality show he was on was long gone by this point as well. well that was quite some time ago, right, before this. And also, I mean, this was still like several years after uh, The Love Guru. Uh, actually, no, I thought it was the same year as The Love Guru. The Love Guru did not come out in... No, this came out 2011. 2008 somehow. Love Guru was 2008, so I don't know. Maybe, that is 2008. Maybe Vern just didn't want to do kid stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I think they. I certainly don't think it was like they couldn't afford, afford Vern Troyer. Um, Although, then again, I like the idea of Vern Troyer holding out for more money. <laughs> maybe he needs it. You know, I have no idea. It's, that's neither here nor there. It's just an interesting thing and, and um, about the film. But the beginning with the the dragon in there and the green gots, I think, is an exciting sort of sequence with some action in there. There, there was some great action in that scene. Um, and I, and I did like, I did like the, I like that there's a, a, that there's still world building going on, even this late in the movies. I love the thing about the dragon being conditioned to associate a certain sound with pain and that's how they, that's how they keep it uh, contained. But I also like that Hermione busts the dragon free. Yeah. Although where, where exactly is Gringotts Bank in the geography of the world? I think it's along that main sort of street with all the shops. I can't think of the name of it right now. Because at least from the, from the first film, I got the impression that Gringotts was like hidden somewhere in London. It's part of the montage in the first film where they go and he buys and gets the wand. You know, he has to go and get his inheritance to pay for Hogwarts tuition or whatever. 
from the from the bank, but exactly where the, it is, you know, I don't know. And these Harry Potter books don't really come with a big map of the world and where everything is. Well, then they're not proper fantasy novels. All fantasy novels must have a map at the beginning. I don't know about all, but certainly most of them do, you'd think. Oh, no, it, you have to be. If, if, uh, if you don't have a map in the beginning, you're not a fantasy novel. You're just made-up bullshit. Okay. That, that, that was meant to be sarcastic. I have no idea if that worked. I am still calibrating for your human emotions. What's uh, something at the film that you enjoyed? Okay, well, I liked I liked the Gringotts stuff. Um, oh gosh, I don't want to I don't want to jump around too much. I did like it when they when they were in. Uh, I did like it when they were uh, that whole thing with like the 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 gold objects multiplying. Yes, that, that was, was just that was, that was a, just a really good special effects extravaganza. We knew what was at stake. The characters had a goal they were working for, although. That doesn't seem like it's a bad thing to have gold objects that that reproduce. Although it does beg the question: Why do you bother locking your gold up if you can just make more? I mean, it's a sequence that sort of had more humor in it that you hadn't seen. It reminded me of something more from like the first two films. Mm. Then later on, with you know characters getting in fights and people dying, and yeah, and I did like. I like that we finally got to see because uh, because what it was it was. The Order of the Phoenix, we finally got to see some how magic is used in in combat, and I like that we are finally getting to see a full on occult war towards the climax of this film. And I said, sort of thought you would have seen that in a film before this, because the end of Order of the Phoenix, you know, they're all sort of building up that oh, we're Dumbledore's uh, army, we there's darkness coming, we're going to do stuff against it, but then it really just sort of focused on Harry Potter and as you know ron and hermione and all that for the most part for you know film six and seven so now we're on film eight and it seems like they're actually getting off their ass and moving more <laughs> yeah. towards a a climax well we're finally getting to see all the things that we never got to see in the other films i oh and one thing one thing another thing i noticed the the score in this for this film it, it just has it has the same feel as danny elfman's batman score hmm I mean, like it's a not, lot of the same tones, a yeah. lot of the same instrumentation. So, I mean, it's not Danny Elfman that did the music. It's Alexander Displot. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that one. Uh, but you're right. I think the, the music was a bit more memorable. It also used a bit more of the, the John Williams themes from the, the first few films. Did you like um, seeing Dumbledore's, uh, what, brother, I believe? Well, Dumbledore's brother... I think I would have cared if if Dumbledore's like I feel like Dumbledore's brother is a character that I probably should have seen ago. Like he he just sort of shows up. I have no idea who he is or why I should care about him. He had a small part in Order of the Phoenix and it was played by a different actor. But you're right; it wasn't a big part. It does seem to just come out of nowhere, where it's like, oh look. Yeah, I would much rather see Dumbledore? Dumbledore, not a cranky old man who's related to Dumbledore. Well, you see Dumbledore later in the film. Well, yeah, as a Jedi ghost, yeah. Ugh, yeah. We're not at that point quite yet. Don't worry, I have some, I have some, some choice words for that part of the movie, too. <laughs> yeah, I just... I will talk about it when we get there. That just sort of felt obligatory to me. 
and although I'm also glad that we do that in this film, we really get a chance to see the villains being villains on a massive scale. Sure, and I like that it's more focused on on Hogwarts. It, it threw me off a bit in the the past few films where it shows the Death Eaters attacking parts of London, and you see bridges exploding and, and all these things. To me, it's not Harry Potter doesn't feel much like Harry Potter unless it's on the grounds of Hogwarts. Oh, oh here's a question. Has Harry yeah. Potter finally had his 17th birthday? I have no idea. Because yeah, they made such a big deal in one of the previous films about there being a, a magical tracer on you until you're 17. That's right. I just, That's right. I, just I, I feel like whether, like, if, if he hasn't had that birthday yet, uh, why aren't the bad guys using the tracer to track him down? And if he has had that birthday yet, why isn't that being made clear? I guess it's 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 more the uh, the so the structural problems that I've been harping on in a lot of these episodes. <laughs> oh, actually, so, something something that I I didn't like, and this is another uh, bad habit. When they talk about the the lost diadem of Ravenclaw, once again we have another ridiculously huge magical artifact that's never been mentioned until the moment the characters need to look for it. I was a bit surprised they go back to the Chamber of Secrets, to be honest. Well, I kind of I, I like that only because I like the idea of the movie looping back on itself to tie all the loose to tie all the loose ends together. So I kind of like that with the Chamber of Secrets. But it's just that that you know it's and of course the very not only is it this super important lost relic that nobody's managed to find, even though everybody wants to find it. Uh, but not only that, but it's the very first suggestion of, of a possible Horcrux, and of course that first suggestion has to be right. What about the revelation that the final Horcrux is Voldemort's snake? Not as awesome as the revelation that the final Horcrux is Harry Potter. Like that that is something that I absolutely loved was the idea that Harry Potter was himself a Horcrux. That was a brilliant idea on J.K. Rowling's part. How so? Well, first, uh, it, I love the idea of a, of a hero that needs to die to accomplish his mission. I think that, right. that it's, it's, especially when it's a hero this young, that's a very interesting, dark place to go to. Uh, it, it's also, it is the last place, uh, it's, it's the last place you would expect to find a dark part of a dark wizard's soul is in the body of a, of a, of a fairly decent good guy wizard. It, it also it just provides more context for him be it provides a an actual context for him being a chosen one and having that lightning bolt scar and, and that's the thing. there is so much stuff going on in this movie with Snape that I almost w- wished that they could have just done like compress all the Harry Potter and friends stuff into one movie if you're going to split it into the two movies, make the other movie all about Snape. What do you find the revelations about Snape uh worth it? Uh, it makes him a much more well-rounded character, yes. Uh, Snape really comes into his own. Uh, I think they do linger on Snape's relationship with Harry, uh, with Harry's mother. But beyond that, I like all the additional character details we get about him. I kind of wish a lot – I wish some uh, – although I do wish some of this stuff had been introduced earlier. Because really in the previous films, I think all, all we really got about his past was that he was connected to Voldemort and that uh, Harry's father picked on him in school. Right, and even that revelation about um, you know Snape getting picked on by Harry Potter's father isn't until I think like film five maybe. 
Tired of going to lame comic cons and sitting around with smelly, moldy comic book boxes and the odor of really creepy cosplayers? Well, you don't have to go there anymore. Connecticut Comic Con with two A's is back on August 24, 2013 at the Marriott Hotel in Trumbull, Connecticut. Join us at Connecticut Comic Con and be part of the coolest con in the entire Northeast. Toys, toys, collectibles, collectibles, sci-fi, sci-fi cosplay contests, all at Connecticut Comic Con! Looking for that comic book to complete your collection? You'll find it at Connecticut Comic Con. Want a piece of original artwork to hang on the wall? You'll find it at Connecticut Comic Con. Connecticut Comic Con. It is your destiny. More details can be found at www.comiccon.com. Connecticut Comic Con! Well, let's take a little break now to talk about our website at uh, sequelcast.com. And if you go there, you can check out our past podcast. Um, We've covered films such as Beverly Hills Cop, uh, The Muppet Franchise, Planet of the Apes, Ninja Turtles, Dana Carvey, the uh, Lampoon Va- National Lampoon's Vacation, and much Laura more. Dunn. You, can, you can check those out at SequelCast and check out some of our other shows like Sequel Commentary, SequelCast Special, and Video Game SequelCast. And if you like Young Wizards, we just recorded a uh, sequel commentary for the Wizards of Waverly Place movie. Right, a, a movie based off the Disney Channel TV show. And hey, if you don't like Kid Wizards, well, we just recorded a commentary for the Wizards of Waverly Place movie. <laughs> it's a double dose of knowledge right there. <laughs> and so if you like what you hear and you want to help us out, you can donate uh, via PayPal at SequelCast.com slash donate. You can uh, also rent uh, the movies that we're talking about as an Amazon digital r- rental as on instant video. For about a dollar ninety nine, which is pretty fair price, I think. We have links on that on the site. You can also hear SequelCast on Stitcher Smart Radio at Snap. You can hear podcasts streaming on the go. Hear you know instant gratification. You don't have to wait for a whole show to download. And if you do that, uh, and you can sign up for the app at Stitcher.com/sequelcast. All the SequelCast family of podcasts, even Sequel Commentary, SequelCast Special, and Video Game SequelCast, are added as your favorite on Stitcher. Because of course, why wouldn't it be? You can get also things like a SequelCast t-shirt or a flask at our uh, Cafe Press link at SequelCast.com. And um, if you want to see what I'm doing throughout the day, you can check out my Twitter Do at you SequelCast. love to imbibe vast of SequelCast flask. Yes. And uh, you can follow Thrasher on Twitter at Internet Mayor. And a lot of our chatter with our fans is on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash SequelCast. So... Back to our invigorating discussion about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, the final film of the Harry Potter franchise. I always feel like the internet doesn't want us to complete this series of episodes. Is your Skype screwing up again? Not anymore, but okay. it, it, it keeps coming in and coming out. Okay, you know something I really liked? What? I love that we got to see Ron Weasley's mother kick a lot of ass. No, that that is nice, and it... I like at the end how you get these these face-offs between these different characters in the in these fight scenes. It's very nice. They sort of get these mono a mono duels. It's it's very very satisfying. Although I, I I will say I could do without the swearing. 
I don't think anyone said like what which word in particular. No, it's not. It's not the word. It's just like the the whole structure. What is it? She says like you know not not my family. You you crazy bitch or something like that. <laughs> it just it just it seems. It, I don't know. It just it it just seems. It's not that I find it offensive. It just seems out of place. It just took you out of it, huh? Yeah, yeah. It just it just didn't seem like something. I could not imagine uh, British whimsical British wizards saying that even in the middle of an apocalyptic battle between good and evil. I have to say, I found uh, the ending of this film to just be so cheesy. Uh, which part of the ending? Because <laughs> it seems like there's several endings to this movie. That is kind of a problem with any like long-running fantasy film series, right? You have to try to tie up a zillion characters and a zillion different things. But, well, see, if you're like George R. R. Martin, you can just kill him off. I am absolutely positive that by the end of a Game of Thrones, there'll only be maybe two characters left alive, so we'll only have to get get their storylines wrapped up. That's what George R. R. Martin likes to do. Not only does he kill characters off, he doesn't let you mourn the characters, really. Like, the story keeps on going. Oh, yeah. So he's still trying to... That's such a great show. I enjoy that Game of Thrones very much. But um, with Harry Potter, though... I was really annoyed by the epilogue, but is there another part like of the ending that you weren't crazy about, or do you think the ending worked? Overall, I think I think it worked. I mean, everything was was set up. You know, everything was set up nicely. Uh, I like the revelation that when it, that Harry really is just the victim of a of an of a wizard conspiracy. Um, I even like the part where Harry dies and. and spends a little bit of time in limbo that scene did did linger a little longer than needed to but i liked that that one last meeting between him and dumbledore uh and i gotta say i am in love with that horrific image of the of uh of voldemort's soul in limbo yeah like it looks like i don't know i don't know if you have this in portland but there is a uh there's an uh back back in uh norfolk virginia there's an overpass, and there's a pro-life group every weekend that hangs photos of fetuses, of aborted fetuses, from that, that overpass. That's what Voldemort looks like in this scene. Uh, we do not have... Uh, I mean, I recall that happening in the South a lot. But no, yeah, in Portland, like, not really. But like, it, it, looks, it, it looks like they took one of those photos and photoshopped, photoshopped Ray Fine's face to it. Or whoever the hell it is that plays Voldemort. It is Ray Fiennes. Okay, good. Yeah, so I got, so yeah, yeah. So if, if that's that's what it looks like, and it's just such a shocking, horrific image, but I love it because he he looks so evil and yet so truly pathetic uh, at, at that moment. I was just super annoyed by the epilogue, which I think is really lousy. Where you see well, the kids, you see like Harry Potter's kids and Ron and Hermione's kids running off at the station to go to their Hogwarts. Well, the, the thing that I didn't like about that scene, it, well, one, it was a bit longer than it needed to be, but two, and more importantly, we really get absolutely no sense of where Harry and the gang are in their lives, except that they're older and they have children. There's really no context for that. Um, if, if I were making this movie, I would have trimmed that, down to about a minute, minute and a half, and I would have put it after the credits. That really felt like it should have been an after the credits stinger. It it did, and I mean, I I just don't think the the aging makeup was really done that well. They didn't use enough of it. Well, I don't think they they use aging makeup. I think they just told them not to shave for a day and a half. 
Yeah, but like it's it just made me think like, oh, isn't Daniel Radcliffe a bit young? Like they could have. Yeah, I don't know. It's really with the making characters look older. It either really works or really doesn't. It just felt like they got they got lazy that day on set. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Another thing that that, that final like. We saw. I love this that final battle, that outright war at Hogwarts. I thought that was great. Yeah. Although, again, it falls. To, it, it, I, I had more of those those problems with magic that's been set up not coming back. Like, why don't the Death Eaters can fly and the Hogwarts people have brooms? Why is no one trying to establish air superiority in that battle? I guess because it looks cooler to face off with wands and run around blasting things with magic. But but they could have done they could have done a a trench run, but with wizards on brooms. Like I wanted to see some high flying action uh, during during that final conflict. Well, let's give uh, let's rate Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part Two. Unless there's something else you want to say about it. Uh, uh let me let me look over my notes. See if there's anything that really jumps out. To- Oh, when when actually when when Ron and Hermione kiss, all the water sex imagery. Yeah, there's a lot of it. Oh, and also they need to talk to a ghost, and it's not any of the ghosts we've already met. It's not nearly a headless Nick or moaning Myrtle. It's some other ghost we've never heard of before. You know, I I would have loved to have seen the um. Oh, why can't I think of his name? The character Gary Oldman plays Sirius Black. Yes, I would have liked to see Sirius Black you know, as a ghost in this film or some sort of, maybe he... You know, that's something that was missing. We probably should have seen all of Harry's dead allies as Jedi ghosts when he met Dumbledore. Why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, see his fam- see his mother and father in the distance waving, see Sirius Black. Like, I, It's important to me as an audience member, but I also think it's important to Harry to see that those characters have a place in the next life or, or, and you know, and that it's worked out for them. Yeah. I think that would have been a nice payoff. Oh, and how many movies do we get to see Maggie Smith kick ass? Not enough. I I did like, I thought I I loved it when she really got into throwing magic around. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, so I'm going to rate this film out of five stars. I think I give Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows three and a half. I like the climax, like the dragon stuff at the beginning. It's not my favorite film in the franchise, but it's certainly more in the right direction. Um, you know, I'm going to have to agree with that three and a half. I think this is an appropriate ending to the series. And I think I did like it more than I liked the previous two. Still has a lot of flaws that I can't really get past, uh, but over. But but I'm satisfied with this film. Just watching all these Harry Potter movies overall, I just have to take a moment and wonder. I think you could tell this story compressed as a trilogy. Yeah, or as a uh, four-part miniseries, perhaps. Yeah, and I mean the way this film ends, it makes me think certainly that there'll be a uh, another series of books, whether they're by J.K. Rowling or someone else. Hogwarts, the new class. <laughs> I I think it'd be surprising if they don't exploit this uh, further. Now, they did come out with the book about Beetle the, Bar- the Bard and other tales. Mm-hmm. Now, that's short stories. Um, but I think before we do our pitch a sequel, I want to talk about a letter I got from one of our listeners. Oh, yes, please do. So, uh, I've been waiting to hear this. Sure. Now, hmm, I'm not sure if he wants me to use his real name or not. 
Uh, let's call him uh, Barnaby. Barnaby in quotes the listener. Maybe he doesn't care if we use his name, but I'd rather be on the safe side. Oh, I love that short story, Bar- uh, Barnaby the listener. It's great. <laughs> Barnaby the sequel cast listener. Short story, well renowned. Um, so he said he said that Harry Potter was the boy who uh, who ruined uh, my love, and I just found that so compelling. Like, well, please, more details. And so he he was kind enough to. Let us uh, talk about this in the show. So I'm going to read this all the way through, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Excellent. And uh, then go on with the, the show. All right. From our listener, who we're calling Barnaby as an alias, because I'm not sure he wants us to use his real name. In 2003, I met a girl. She was beautiful, fun, and had the same passion for geeky stuff like me. She also had a passion for Harry Potter. I myself was not a big fan. It wasn't that I hated it, though. Within a week, we had fallen in love, except for a small breakups. For a month or so, it was great. I had to take time after a recent bad breakup. From then on, on out, we were always together. As the years went by, I learned a lot about the Potter saga. I watched the movies and found myself liking them. She was my soulmate. A few years ago, we got involved in LARPing and cosplay. Woo! She suddenly wanted to cut her hair short and also bought the Harry Potter uniform and so on. She changed her glasses to round ones and made for a great Harry lookalike. I found it cute. But as time went by, she used her Harry Potter uniform more and more. People started to notice. They laughed and pointed. It became a bit harder to accept her new style, but I loved her and tried to rise above it. So do you get what he's saying? Is that she used to dress as Harry Potter, like, all the time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, Last year, she met a few other young Harry Potter fans. They became friends, and all of them got uniforms. My Harry had found her Hermione, Ron, and Draco, all of them still kids. She was now 28 years old. Uh, by kids, I hope he doesn't mean five years old. I think he maybe he means high school students in the young 20s. Uh, I, would, I would assume middle school, high school. So, yeah. So uh, as the summer went by, they became obsessed with their hobby, and by Christmas, I find myself more and more alone. Then I find out they all slept together. Not sex, just sleeping. I mean, okay. It, it, uh, it goes to a darker place. Uh, just you wait. The Deathly Hollows? Mm, deathly something else, I guess. I became more and more sad by the day wanting my girl back. By this time, uh, she went by Harry all the time, even when she oh. was at work. And then around the end of March this year, I started to get a big problem with this. We'd been together for 10 years, and now she was running around still playing at the age of 29. I told her I could not accept it anymore and that I needed her love and time. I didn't hear for her. F- I didn't hear from her for two days after this. Then the hell started. She said she was fed up with me complaining. She was finished. I cried and broke down. She finally talked with me and agreed to fix our relationship. Something was off, but I was desperate not to lose my girl. Then a friend told me this hero Harry Potter gang had been having rituals, explaining to each other that the Harry Potter characters were real. She had mastered magic and could now channel Harry, become Harry. My heart broke, but I tried still. The gain wanted me and his mad-eye moody. I got the costume and found myself to be a good likeness of him. But I did not get time with my girl alone. The gain started to turn on me. Make hell if I wanted her alone for just a day. I slow, st- slowly started to lose my mind. There's still more, but what do you think of this so far, Thrasher? No, I, I, I know the kind of situation that he's in, or that he was in. I, I have not seen the end of this letter. Uh, what do you mean that you know the kind of situation? Well, 
as as someone who's heavily involved with LARPing and cosplay and whatnot, yes, you're not to get too you know Joseph Campbell about this, but when when you create a, a role play scenario, whether it's LARP or tabletop, you are in essence you are creating temporarily a sacred space where the normal where the normal laws of thought and behavior don't apply and they're replaced with new sacred laws. Uh, but this whole, this whole construct you're making, what makes it sacred is that it is temporary that you go in, you, you do, you do your ritual, you, you play your game, what have you. Right. And then it ends. And it's, yes. it's that, it's the it's that circle. It is what is inside that circle and outside the circle. What is inside the sacred time and outside the sacred time that makes it so important and so valuable. But those walls need to be maintained for it to stay sacred. If you let it try to bleed out into other areas, it starts to become toxic. Right. Well, and, I mean, and, as you can and tell, dangerous. and that sort of says the rest of this uh, letter so let's uh let's keep on going but thank you so much uh bartleby bartleby uh, the, the alias that we're giving for this listener this is a, a very interesting story and when you said it had you had a harry potter story this is not what i was thinking so um anyway okay so uh, i so this is the rest of the letter i slowly started to lose my mind then i found out about the drug use my girl had convinced uh, the others that they needed to smoke weed if they wanted to master the art of magic. Oh, Lots boy. of weed. They followed her every word, dropping out of school to study magic instead. I started to think about taking my life as time went by. She started to cut marks into her skin, her forehead, and arms. Then I heard the worst. What could get worse than that, you'd think? Did, did, what, did they harm an animal? Uh, my Harry, you know, meaning his girlfriend, had gotten pregnant with uh, the Draco. Of the group. She was also going to change her sex now since Hermione liked her more as a boy. The gang was now all lovers together and there is no love left for me since I was a muggle. I had to get away. The threat started. Draco was going to beat me up and my girl now hated me. They broke into my apartment, uh, stole my belongings, and left a note. And there was more threats. I couldn't take it anymore. Then she started to become evil like a bad movie villain. She started to scream that I had beaten her over the ten past ten years. What had happened to my soulmate? It's only been a month since I've seen her. I'm glad I turned to friends and family instead of ending my life. But I miss her more than anything, at least the girl she was. It'll take time. Every time I see Harry Potter on TV or somewhere else, I cry. I don't hate the Harry Potter saga. I don't blame J.K. Rowling or anything. But Harry Potter ruined my life. So please share my story. Um, stay strong, man. Yeah, no, that's a very heavy story. Uh, the only thing I can say, uh, uh, sort of, you know, like we were saying, Thrasher, is, yeah, sometimes people take the the role-playing or, or take pretend a bit too far and don't realize just how it affects their lives, but how it's affecting, you know, other people around them who aren't part of that same group and they just want to help you. I mean, I, I had a girlfriend in college who... Um, you know, she threatened to kill herself, or she had a history of, of suicide attempts, actually, mm. and threatened to kill herself, and actually was wanting me to kill her, which was absurd. Um, but, I mean, it was very sad, and you're in, in the middle of all that, it's very emotionally draining, very physically draining. So I, I'm not saying, uh, dear listener, that 
I know what you went through, but I can any relationship is hard, but especially a long-term one that goes uh, off the deep end and it just gets, it's not what you got in there to begin with in the first place. And but I, I feel bad for you, but it glad it sounded like you're doing better. Well, it's, it's, it's always better to be a survivor than a victim. And yes. Barnaby is a survivor. He's, he's going to eat, no matter how long the emotional fallout may last, he's going to be able to move forward. So with that very moving letter from one of our listeners, Let's go and do pitch a sequel for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Where um, we pretend, what would the sequel, what would the follow-up to this be? And they haven't made any real follow-ups yet, so... <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure they will. I'll be shocked if they don't sometime in the next ten years. Which I figure, like, within five years, there's going to be a remake of the first film. With an all-new cast and a I new take him- on the material. I could see him doing like a TV series or something, or Hogwarts the television series. I don't know. I could see that. That might be pretty good. I guess. Um, Did you? I just, think yes. If I was if I was to pitch a sequel, one of my favorite TV shows was reboot, and I loved what they did on their last episode uh, because the 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 series had gone through three networks, multiple creative teams. And had changed so much from its first episode uh, that the second half of the last episode of the of the series run was a musical explaining the series. So I would do Harry Potter Nine. Here we go again, y'all. Uh, and it's a half hour long musical that adapts the entire Harry Potter saga. Hmm. And everything is spelled out, and you just get a nice, super fun recap. Where, you know, and, you know, if you're a Harry Potter fan, hey, it's a half hour of new Harry Potter material. If you're not a Harry Potter fan, but you like whimsical musical numbers, you got a whimsical musical number. Um, I would also give it more of a stagey, artificial feel. Like, it would all be set. It would all, like, imagine, like, imagine this would be like the pageant that the Hogwarts students put on in future years based on the life of Harry Potter, their most famous, uh, their most famous alumni. That's what this, this would be like. So it would be, it would be a whole new batch of Hogwarts kids playing Harry Potter and Hermione and Ron and everybody else on stage singing, you know, singing songs about Voldemort and, and Hagrid and adventures. And I think it would just, it would be delightful. I, I love that kind of thing. I think what I would do is, uh, do a prequel and really dig into the meat of the Tom Riddle origin stuff. I know you get a lot of flashbacks here and there throughout the films, but just have a whole film set in that time period. And um, that way as well, you get younger versions of the the parents of some of the characters and so forth. And you dig into the meat of it. I think I'd call it uh, Tom Riddle and the magic discovery or something. Not solving Tom's riddle, or <laughs> no, I don't. Tom riddle me this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to see that. I, I would. I would like to see the Batman Harry Potter crossover. Oh, jeez. I think it would be delightful. I'm just thinking of that porn that was made based on the '60s Batman, where it has really good um, set oh, decoration. The, from the, the Saint Batman or Batman Triple X. Batman Triple X. I've seen the the preview for that, and I was just. Astonished at how accurately they captured what that show looks like. 
have you seen that that uh, this ain't the Avengers or Avengers Triple X where uh, China, the, the uh, WWF star China plays the She Hulk? I saw the commercial for it. Have you seen that one? Have you seen the movie? Seen the trailer. Haven't seen the film. No, no, just the trailer. Just the trailer. Okay. Just the trailer. I'd like to see. I'd like to see the film. I would seriously watch it. It wouldn't just be uh, spank material for me. Right. Um. Well, with that now, let's talk about, uh, go to the next segment. We're running a little bit late here. Um, that's behind the scenes if you listeners. Due to Skype difficulties, as I'm sure you'll <laughs> How hear. How the is mine. I'm sure you hear during this episode the audio kind of flops in and out at wacky qualities. If you go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast, uh, we post some stuff on there about, you know, like movie sequel news and uh, we talk about a few of the stories in this segment of the show so is there one you'd like to talk about thrasher well apparently val kilmer wants to make a sequel to top gun yes what do you think about that do we doing i mean this late in the game do we need another top gun well in fact the director of the original tony scott was uh, working on that before he, he killed himself uh, recently mm. um but I think they still want to go forward with it. I, you know, I somehow don't think you'll get Val Kilmer shirtless playing volleyball again. Uh, Although the thing is, like, I like the idea of of him playing like an aging uh, pilot. I I think that would be that that would be delightful. That being said, like, how many fighter jet movies do you get? Not that many. Uh, but what was the last one? Was was, was uh, there was Red Tails, and more that there was Stealth with Jamie Foxx. I guess Stealth would be the most analogous to a Top Gun where it's supposed to be contemporary. Uh, I never saw Stealth or Red Tails. Except that they have a magical jet powered by a robot brain. Yes, right. But I mean, it's not like a, a an airplane film where it's set in World War II or something like a, a lot of them seem to be. Yeah. Um, like Red Tails or Flyboys, I think, might have been World War One. I. I didn't see that one either, but they don't make a lot of movies. I mean, I guess you could do a Top Gun 2. We'll just have to have to see. I think you'd have to put Danger Zone on the soundtrack again. But it would be, like, covered by Amanda Bynes or whoever. <laughs> um, actually, you know, I would love... Why, why not make a, a new a Biggles movie? I don't know what Biggles is. Oh, they were uh, Biggles. They were these uh, boys' adventure stories. Uh, they were really big in, in Britain. It was uh, Biggles was uh, a uh, a Royal Air Corps pilot in World War. Uh, I believe it was World War One. Uh, although they may or may have been further stories set in World War II, and it was him and his uh, co-pilot Ginger uh, having these daring aerial missions. Now that I think about it, I think the. Uh, the last film based on it was Biggles, uh, Biggles Adventure Through Time, which was kind of a cheat because it involved a modern time traveler traveling back to World War II and having mm. kind of a cross-time adventure with Biggles and Ginger. But then at the end, he smuggles a – he somehow gets a modern uh, a modern British military helicopter into World War II, and they use it to uh, to fight off the German Air Force. It's never quite the same. It almost feels like someone is cam is doing a cameo in a big old story. Yeah. Uh, one piece of sequel news that I thought was interesting. Um, you know, there's some people online that have been complaining about it, but I don't think 
It's that bad news, really. They have the new Ninja Turtles live-action film that they're filming right now. And the actor that's playing Shredder is not uh, Asian, but it, it's uh, William uh, Fickner. Have you seen him in something before? And it's not Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince. No, it's not Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince who voiced him on the cartoon in the 80s. What? Have you seen that actor before? I Wait, who, who are we talking about? The one that's playing... A lot of distortion. Who are you talking about? Uh, the one that's playing Shredder in the new Ninja Turtles film, William Fickner. What's his name? Uh, he... Uh, I'm looking him up right now. He had a very small part at the beginning of The Dark Knight. As one of the guys in the bank with a gun. Um, he was in Drive Angry with Nicolas Cage. He has a lot of really small parts. He's always kind of memorable. He has kind of a creepy, slimy face. I have yes, I have seen him, but I don't know where he's a, a ninja. So he kind of he, he's kind of got to be Asian or Japanese specifically. Well, there's nothing to say that it might just be Shredder name only. He might just be like a corporate dude that happens to be called Shredder, which they could do. But then that's taking a huge leap away from the source material. That means we're seeing a movie with a fake Shredder. Well, we'll have to see what they do. Uh, in any case, I like the actor. Uh, I think he's kind of quirky. I'll be really curious to see when they start releasing um, photos and video of what the, the turtles look like as CG uh, creations. We'll see. Because the new Nickelodeon show, they look very much uh, like a anime with the big eyes and the tiny mouths. I think they'll certainly look more detailed than they did in the all-CG Turtles movie um, from, what, 2006, whatever it was, 2007. Which we covered on the sequel cast. We did. You can check out that stuff at sequelcast.com. Well, I think that is good for sequel news. This, uh, Sorry, listeners, this show is plagued with technical difficulties. We've had to <laughs> stop and restart segments three or four times. And that, that's this, the this way is the cursed goes. episode of the sequel cast. The cursed episode, that's right. They said, we're not going to let you finish Harry Potter alive. So now we're going to do What You Watching. Hey, What You Watching? I'm glad you asked, Thrasher. I thought you'd never ask. Have I talked about Man of Steel yet? No, no, you haven't. I know I haven't because I haven't seen it yet. It's it's inevitable that I will see it, but I'm trying to delay that moment. Okay. Well, let me talk about it vaguely then. Do you mind? No, no, I'm, I don't worry. I, I have read enough critical analysis of this movie that you can't possibly spoil anything for me. Right. I think uh, of all the stuff I've read online... There was a review I read, I forget who it was by, it might have even just been a Facebook comment somewhere. Someone said, uh, Man of Steel, the new Superman film that just came out, is like they combined Superman 1 and 2 into one movie. And as far as the plot goes, they're not wrong for the most part, as far as the, the overall beats. And, mm, you know, I, th I think I liked it more than the last Batman movie, The Dark Knight Rises. Really? Yeah. It'll be more, I mean, like any of these reboot things, it'll be more interesting to see where they go from here. I thought the stuff in the beginning with the Superman's father, Jor-El, on Krypton was visually, like, great, really imaginative. It reminded me of the Dark Crystal a little bit, some of the set design stuff. <clears throat> it it almost makes me think, you know, hmm, if they if they make the new Star Wars movie look like that, that could be kind of a cool look for it. But it was, like, very lush, sort of, just well-designed. You know, it... It's rare that you see, like, a, a planet in one of these uh, comic book movies look sort of more... I like that it was more of a fantasy look, I guess, than being, like, all super high-tech. 
with well, everyone I mean, on huge computer. I mean, and they do have computers and that sort of thing on Krypton. Well, Krypton is always supposed to look a little bit impossible. Oh, they certainly do that. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's uh, in some ways those are the more imaginative parts of the movie. I, I thought the the actors do a good job. I don't think is it a spoiler if I say the bad guy in the movie. I think they say it in the trailers, right? No, it's all over the. You can't okay, possibly spoil know. this film. Uh, the, they had a trailer just for the villain. You're right, Michael Shannon as General Zod. I don't think was very good. I have seen him in a few movies. I, I couldn't tell you what, but his face looks familiar. I've heard he's really good in other movies like Take Shelter. Um, but this one, he part of it. You have the the ghost of Terrence Stamp. You know, the memory of him playing uh, Zod in the uh, Superman 2. And how camp of performance this was. And this and uh, the way Michael Shannon plays Zod is very internalized. Kind of a lot of, like, shouting and, and grimacing, but that's it. But it, it just wasn't very memorable. Well, shouting and grimacing is a Zack Snyder trademark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, Zack Snyder certainly doesn't do really that much of that's the slow motion like close-up shots as someone is going to punch another dude like he's done in his other films he's slightly more restrained um but i enjoyed it i'll be curious to see what you think of it thrasher i'm i'm curious to see what i'll think of it as well i think it's uh it's one of those things where as i just said because it's a reboot you kind of already know most of what like the story is going to be. Well, well, here's a question: Are you? Would you consider yourself a Superman fan? I I like the character. I haven't read a, a terrible amount of comics, you know. Like I I like this the comic Superman Red Sun a lot about him crashing in Russia. It's sort of like a what if story. Oh mm, uh, yeah, it was in Elseworlds. Uh huh. I like um. What if is the Marvel version, right? Uh, yeah. What uh, if is Marvel Elseworlds, Elseworlds is DC? DC. Great. Superman as a character is interesting that he he represents sort of more of an ideal I think than and and he's a he's a tougher character to get right without making it seem uh kind of cheesy or goofball. Well, I mean that that's why I definitely you should check out the Superman animated series from the late 90s but also check yeah. out uh Superman in Justice League Unlimited. Right. No, I saw the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited just became available on uh, Netflix uh instant streaming in the United States. Although they don't have the Superman or Batman shows, which I think I'd be a little bit more interested in. But I, I did see there's a bunch of those DC animated movies on there, and I saw the Super, All-Star Superman one, and that was really good, I thought. That was a pretty solid story. Excellent. Uh, what have you been watching, Thrasher? Well, I have been, uh, after a long delay, I'm finally getting caught up on Dexter. Are you in the current season? Uh, yeah, I'm working my way through. Okay. Well, I don't know. I'm, it's... Uh, it's whichever season was most recently released on DVD. Uh, I want to say season seven. Yeah, uh, season seven. Uh, I, I'm uh, working my way through season seven. I'm about four episodes in, and I'm enjoying it. Not as good as the Lithgow season, but let's face it. I don't. I don't know what could what's going to be as good as the Lithgow season, but it's still a very enjoyable show for me. I can't believe it's starting its eighth season, or maybe it's already <laughs> begun. Or no, it, it starts uh, this... Yeah, it just started. So that show's been on for a while, man. I, yeah. <laughs> I need to catch up. You know, I liked season one. I've watched 
parts of the John Lithgow season, which I thought were excellent. I just need to get back and watch it in order. I just find it tough. To, how can you stretch that premise over such a long period of time? Well, I mean, they, they just they, the the show like every every season really is a mutation of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that helps that helps keep it fresh. Although right now I'm really trying to figure. Although right right now I'm trying to figure out what the mutation of season seven uh, is going to be, and I don't think it's the obvious one. Hmm. At the at the risk of spoiling things, uh, the cliffhanger ending for season six it implies that Dexter's uh, foster sister. It's been revealed to her what he really is. I won't say what happens in season seven, but I don't think her knowing he's a serial killer is what the big mutation is going to be for this season. It, I just find it just stretches uh, credibility that oh, he keeps it. They keep the their identity secret for this long. Well, well, that's why you need to see. You you'll realize if you when you see the other seasons, he's not yeah. as good as keeping his identity secret as you would think. Or okay. as the premise demands. In fact, that's like it, it, like every season, there's at least one person figures him out, but then they've got to die. <laughs> I need to watch more of the show. I, I liked what I saw. I just need to get back into it. There's so many TV shows that I haven't seen, and there's just so many hours in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, it can be a challenge sometimes. Great. I think, you know, we had a good discussion of the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Absolutely. And if you want to check out all our Harry Potter episodes, you can do so at sequelcast.com so uh, you can follow me on twitter at sequelcast you can follow thrasher on twitter at internet mayor uh tune in next time when we'll be kicking off a new franchise of an old series so i mean it's a new franchise for us but it's not like a new series of movies (laughs) (laughs) it rarely is in the sequel cast but this was suggested by listener and he's also a fellow member of the battleship retention podcast fleet podcast mcgee no it's uh Doctor goes by the name Doctor West Anthony. He uh, recommended that we do the series of disaster films, the airport series, which I thought was a very refreshing idea. Yeah, I'm 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 glad we're going back into an older franchise. We haven't done that in a while, and we we've never looked at a series of disaster films. No, before. well, we we've seen some films that have been disasters, but we've never yes, seen, we disaster haven't seen disaster films. films. So I think those are pretty. It's a surprising choice, but I, I think it's an inspired suggestion. So we're gonna we're gonna go with it. And they made four of those airport films, and I, I think part of the fun will be to see all the crazy cameos in these airport movies. The, yeah, that, that's an old was an old tradition with uh, with uh, disaster movies was cramming in a lot of cameos. Right, and uh, originally it's based off a novel, much like Die Hard. So I mean it, the 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 four films in the airport franchise we're going to cover over the next month are Airport, Airport 1975, Airport 77, and the Concord, Airport 79. Yeah, some, I like that. You like the titles I, having the year? Yeah, I like that they have years. <laughs> it, they, it, I like, it, it completely dates the movie, but I love that it's not just tacking on Roman numerals. Have you seen these before? I know I've seen the one where the plane is underwater, and I'm sure I've seen one other one, but I have no idea which one. I've seen some of the first one a long time ago. And just to give you a taste of some famous actors that are in these films. My God. The first one has Dean Martin himself, isn't it? Oh, hey. And uh, Burt Lancaster, George Kennedy, 
the second film, Airport 77, or sorry, 75, has such wonderful guest stars as uh, characters as Charlton Heston and Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. And Sid Caesar, even. Airport 77 has... Let's not blow through all our material just yet. No, but we're going to tease the audience. They might not have heard of Airport before, so if we name some old big-name actors, they might even be less interested in listening to what we have to say. Rory Calhoun. Jack Lemmon. James Stewart. I, I'm going to cut this short. This is then interesting, me t- reading actor names. Okay, well, tune in to hear us talk about Airport next week. For the sequel cast, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying, I'll get you, Mr. Potter. We're free from the Harry Potter films. Free at last. Yay! The boy will come to us. The sequel cast is a hipster goblin production. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 